Hello and welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week we break down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. Thanks for listening. And if you guys want to support us even more, you can subscribe to our Patreon. For $5 a month, you get at least two extra episodes. You could also leave us a five-star review and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listed on. And if you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and DM us a screenshot of that review, we'll make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it. We also have cool Allegedly Astrology stuff on TeePublic, so go there to check it out. And make sure to follow us on social media. We're Allegedly Astrology on Instagram, Reddit, and TikTok, and Allegedly Astro on Twitter. And you can visit our website, allegedlyastrology.com, to learn more about us and the show, or book a reading with me, Dana, and check out charts and transcripts for select episodes. So, Dana, what are we talking about today? They were talking about the Murdoch family. Yes. And if you don't know who they are, the Murdoch family was one of South Carolina's most influential families. Between 1920 and 2006, three generations of the family served as the prosecuting attorney in a five-county area known as South Carolina's Low Country. And they wielded enormous judicial and political power in that area before they were investigated for murder, wrongful death, corruption, fraud, witness intimidation, theft, drug, and alcohol-related charges. So it's been a whirlwind for them. Let's learn about their astrology. Yes, taking it to the lowlands, which I don't know why it's called that. But anyway, get ready, because here's a bunch of dudes named Randolph. So the guy that started it all was Randolph Murdoch Sr. He was the great-great-grandfather. He's the one who was like, I'm going to become a prosecutor. I'm going to make a law firm. And so he did. So the next person in line was his son named Randolph Murdoch Jr. So that's like the great grandfather, if we're counting up from like the youngest boy in the family. Then we have Randolph Murdoch III, which was the grandfather that you see in the Netflix movie, R.I.P. And then we have Richard Alexander Murdoch, known as Alex, but for some reason everyone pronounces it Alex. So we'll be calling him Alec. And that's the dad. And... Then his wife is Maggie, his oldest son is Buster, and then Paul is the youngest son. And they were just like elite and rich. And also before this all happened, Loki connected to several scandals. But we're going to focus on the dad, Alec, and the youngest son, Paul, in this episode. Yes. So first, we'll get to Alec. And he was one of four children. He was the one that followed the family business. He became very wealthy. And he was a very well-respected attorney. So, Dana, let's get into his big three. Well, we don't know because he might be. There are three birthdays listed for him on the Internet. June 17th, 1958, May 27th, 1968, and June 17th, 1968. So my money's on June 17th, 1968. So I'm going to cover that one first. This day was a last quarter moon in Pisces. So I thought this one seemed a little murdery. The sun's in Gemini, the moon's in Pisces. The last quarter moon, last quarter moons make people action oriented. There's also a conflict between emotional and like physical needs and like someone's inner nature and goals, which can often be helpful for like getting things accomplished, but or, you know, getting people out of your way. The moon in Pisces is square Mercury, Venus and Mars and opposite Uranus and Pluto and trine Neptune. So this can make someone indecisive, chaotic, having chaotic emotions, difficulty expressing love, pleasure seeking to ease discomfort, emotionally impulsive quirky or weird, disruptive emotions. 
um, which can like take over someone having inner conflict, relational conflict, jealousy, or, you know, having other people be jealous of you or rationalizing behavior can also be easy. And this moon would be ruled by Jupiter at zero degrees Virgo and Jupiter is in detriment in Virgo. And this can make someone obsessive, especially when emotions are involved and details could cloud the bigger picture or like details could color the bigger picture. So you could find one detail and hone in on it and be like, this is everything. And then also in this chart, the Sun, Venus, Mars and Mercury are all conjunct between 25 and 27 degrees Gemini. The stellium is ruled by Mercury retrograde in Gemini and the Sun also sextiles Saturn and squares Uranus and Pluto. So this could be chaotic, intelligent, someone who loves to talk and loves to hear themselves talk, someone who's also impulsive, um, pretty extra, a schmoozer, confident, someone who has an eye for detail and is able to tackle responsibilities but doesn't often feel responsible unless responsibilities are self-assigned. And that's on Saturn being in Aries where it's in fall. Also could be someone who has like a need to feel special or unique, someone who's power hungry. And Saturn in fall in Aries is ruled by Mars in Gemini, so this could be someone who's ambitious and power hungry, but also needs recognition for accomplishments. And Saturn's also conjunct the North Node. So responsibilities can mount with this. Like you can have a lot of responsibilities because the North Node can be increased. Responsibilities can also feel excessive for the native. I feel like all that Gemini in the first house is so like lawyer. Like this is someone who literally could like talk his face off forever. Um, And I also think I know Pluto's Pluto's generational, but it's very interesting that he would have Pluto, the sign of like power that's in this in the fourth house, like where his family is, because he is part of this like very rich, like dynasty of a family. And I also think, too, there's like a lot of secrets, like fears and secrets of Pluto. So this is like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're part of a family that like, yeah, had a lot of dark, deep shit. And it's in Virgo. So it's I mean, it's and with Jupiter, Jupiter, since it's in detriment, can like weaken where the planets in detriment can make things more complicated for the other planets in that sign. And so even though these are outer planets, Jupiter in Virgo can like complicate family secrets and Uranus too. So it could make things like surprising, right? These are really surprising secrets, ones that don't really seem necessary. Um, Yeah. And so that's interesting too. And also Neptune in the sixth, like this is just me projecting from what we know about him, but I also feel like that could be some drug vibes just because he's known for doing drugs. Okay. So the other chart, May 27th, 1968, So this is a Gemini sun and moon. The new moon was at 329 on May 27th, 1968. So I did it for that. Okay, the Gemini moon chart has Gemini sun, moon, Mars, and Mercury. And this chart is an Aries rising, but we're not really doing the Aries rising. But if it is an Aries rising, it's still ruled by a planet in Mars that are a planet in Gemini, Mars and Gemini. So this is not much different than the other chart we just said, except for the moon being in Gemini would, I mean, it would also still be a mutable moon, but it would kind of color the emotions towards like intellectualization, which is also why I feel like the moon is probably in Pisces because it doesn't seem like someone who really thinks through emotions. Although someone who has the moon in Gemini can also be really exacting, especially like you can rationalize actions based on emotion. Like you intellectualize emotions to the point that you think you justify what you're doing. This planet also has Saturn and Aries conjunct the North Node. But this planet, instead of having Jupiter at zero degrees Virgo, it has Jupiter in Leo. So this could be like the golden boy, right? The the Leo is ruled by the sun and Jupiter is a planet of luck. And so Jupiter in Leo is sort of like someone who can be favored, someone who can have like a lot of luck. It's also sextiling Mercury. So it can be like someone who 
things come really easy to like if he tries a little like if you do your homework you get an a type thing jupiter is also squaring venus in this chart so there's like a real inclination towards excess especially because venus is in domicile in taurus so there's sort of like this need to have what you want when you want it especially with that jupiter and leo like i'm you know it's a little bit of assault vibes right except for always getting the golden goose until you kill your family i guess yeah i also like the idea for some reason and i know this has nothing to do with the ascendant but i like jupiter and leo just because he has red hair and everyone in his family has red hair and to me that just makes sense (laughs) yeah that's interesting i like that i still like all those planets in gemini for some reason in my mind he because i feel like when he was in the courtroom he like never shut up like he was constantly constantly talking so i just feel like that's so gemini now i want all lawyers to be gemini lawyers Okay, so next up we have Paul. So Paul is the youngest son in the Murdoch family. He was studying at the University of South Carolina. He was in a frat. He was known as being popular and outgoing, like a real party boy. But he did drink a lot. And he had, you know, some substance abuse problems, according to some of his friends. He also liked to hunt and be outdoors. And, like, just over the course of his life, he had numerous legal issues, including, like, charges of possession of weed and alcohol drinking while underage but overall like the vibe is just that he was like a rich kid that got away with a lot so what's his big three dana so he was born on april 14th 1999 in hampton south carolina and he has an aries sun and either a pisces or aries moon we don't know what what time he was born so we don't know the rising so the moon entered aries at 6 45 a.m local time and it would make sense that he's in, was born on an Aries new moon. But OK, so if he's an Aries son, this is someone who's a go-getter, self-oriented. So and his son is ruled by Mars retrograde in Scorpio. So this is going to be bring like a level of intensity, a level of pressure, a life touched by sorrow or hardship in some way, like especially because Mars is state is retrograde. Like it's very it's louder in his chart. So it's really going to influence his his destiny. And it would be really literal especially because Mars is the eighth house from the sun and the eighth is death, especially death at someone else's hand, like murder. So it could also rule inheritance and like things that are out of his control. And his son is, is, well, it's loosely conjunct, but it's co-present with Jupiter. So it's someone who's like lucky and confident. And then if his moon's in Aries, it's self-validating, confident, impulsive, extra, also ruled by that Mars retrograde in Scorpio, which would, and then his, so the sun is his father, the moon is his mother. So you could uh, kind of, I thought maybe like the moon in Aries also then sort of extends itself to his mother being maybe also murdered by his father, allegedly. But then if he has a moon in Pisces, he might be more emotional than a moon in Aries. Also, substance abuse is more often attributed to Pisces placements, but it could be Aries as well, especially someone who's like, like Pisces is seeking escape, Aries is seeking enhancement. And so the moon in Pisces would be ruled by Jupiter and Aries, so it would sort of come back around to that Jupiter and Aries. And then Mars retrograde in Scorpio is opposite Saturn in Taurus. So this, again, in brings an intensity, but also sort of tempers that Mars. When it's opposite Saturn, there's like discipline and endurance become the theme of your life. There's inner conflict. It's a lot of like unstoppable force and movable objects, like being between a rock and a hard place, those types of idioms. And like also other people getting in your way or sort of like making things difficult for you. So that could extend in a lot of ways. But his like Saturn is in Taurus, which sort of indicates wealth. His Mars in Scorpio indicates having, you know, access to power. So those sorts of that opposition is colored by those themes as well. And then he also has Venus in Gemini ruled by Mercury in Fallen Pisces. And so 
it's rare to have your Mercury and Venus this far apart. I mean, so his Venus in Gemini is at two degrees and his Mercury is at 26 degrees because they can't actually square by degree. But this is sort of interesting because it calls back a little bit to his father's mutable placements. And this this would be chaotic, escapist, someone who has escapist tendencies, someone who can feel sorry for themselves. Someone who's also creative, maybe magnetic or attractive, clever, but also unreasonable at times because like, like, or it could be someone like maybe he had unreasonable crushes, that type of thing. But yeah, that's sort of like really being able to sort of justify, I think, a lot because Venus in Gemini is so intellect oriented, but Mercury in Pisces is, it's in fall. So, I mean, Mercury in Pisces is really creative. So you can get creative excuses, I suppose, knowing what I know about him. The Jupiter in Aries thing I think is interesting because he was known for having a bad temper, especially when he was drinking. Yeah. Interesting. Good to know. Yes. He also has Venus opposite Chiron. So that could be, I mean, that's like just sort of like a life colored by sorrow in some capacity and Venus opposite Pluto. Yeah. A life colored in sorrow. That sounds like an emo band, Mm -hmm. like album title <laughs> or like a bio of like a goth like a major goth like I the goth. the guy Lincoln from the buyer i'm the famous <laughs> robert smith oh, yes, by sorrow yeah <laughs> i love that so in general the family was very powerful decided the law because again they were all prosecutors and they had friends in law enforcement so the general vibe is that they were able to get themselves out of a lot of trouble and have stuff covered up So it isn't that surprising that there are a number of shady happenings and deaths associated with this family. Wild. So the first one is Stephen Smith. He was found dead in July of 2015. Stephen Smith was a 19-year-old nursing student whose body was found in the middle of a Hampton County road. Witnesses had mentioned that Buster, a.k.a. the older brother, was somehow involved. And they said that Stephen was hit by a vehicle, but there was no vehicle debris. There was no skid marks or injuries consistent with someone being struck by a vehicle. They're not very so shady. Well, I know. Yeah. You couldn't have thought of anything better. Yeah. They're just shady. One of the... One of the things I remember they said was like, if you, when you get hit by a car, your shoes fall off. Like, because basically like the speed... And like the physics of it, like it knocks you in a way where your shoes like come off your feet. It's really common. And Steven's shoes were like loosely tied and still on his feet. So they were like, this can't be easy. I mean, I don't know, like not to besmirch the people, the police of South Carolina, but also when I say that out loud, I'm like, is that real? (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) is that a real fact? I know they said that in the documentary, but like, is it true? I'll just Um, moving forward. (laughs) Anyway, can you imagine if I was like, he wasn't hit by a car and his shoes are still on? (laughs) And everyone's like, what? So there's no official connection between the Murdoch family and Stephen's death. However, SLED, a.k.a. the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, opened an investigation into his death based on information they had recently uncovered due to like whatever else they were looking into the Murdoch family. So they looked around and they got more evidence and they announced that Stephen's death was a murder and not a highway accident. So they're now investigating it as a homicide, but... Buster, as you do when you may be loosely involved with a murder, was like, by the way, I'm not involved in this. Mm-hmm. So 
<laughs> that happened. Just so everyone's clear. <laughs> also, every time I say the name Murdaugh, I'm like, murder. Like, I just, the, the last name of this family and the topic of that, that we're discussing is just almost like too on the nose. I remember the Ja Rule song I love, which was murder. 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 Fuck around and leave you murder. I don't leave. <laughs> Murder, murder, your life's on the line. Okay. I'm yeah. glad that you're singing again. Thank you. You were pretty sad when we started this. <laughs> That's true. So the second suspicious death involves the Murdoch family housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield, or Satterfield. The second suspicious death involves the Murdoch family housekeeper, Gloria. She worked for the family for more than two decades before dying after what was described as a trip and fall accident at the Murdoch home in February of 2018. And the shady part of her death was that it was, one, not reported to the coroner, and an autopsy wasn't performed. I don't mean to laugh, but, like, how do you not report? Don't you have to do that? Like, who took her body? I have a lot of questions. Additionally, her manner of death was ruled natural, which obviously it wasn't natural. She fell down the stairs. So SLED announced that it was, spoiler alert, also opening a criminal investigation into her death. Wow. Okay. Finally, we have one of Paul's friends, 19-year-old Mallory Beach. She died in a boating accident in February of 2019. And after this was after Paul allegedly drunk drove his family boat just like straight into a bridge. Yeah, not to like say that no one else's deaths are like sad, but in the Netflix documentary, like oh yeah, this one was horrible. Cry, it was so sad. But the shady part of it is that several people on the boat told investigators when they were being questioned that Paul was driving, but then someone else, another passenger, said it was not Paul driving. So that was weird. And then Paul also was not given a field sobriety test. He wasn't taken to jail for booking. He wasn't handcuffed. So there was just like all this gossip, like in speculation that he was getting special treatment just because of like what family he was in. Yeah. And after the accident, Paul was facing some pretty serious charges, including boating under the influence, causing great bodily harm and causing death in connection to the boat crash. And the kind of interesting thing here is that Mallory's death is this almost like a turning point for the family where it seemed like finally shit was going to catch up to them and hit the fan because Paul actually was going to go to trial. But we're going to look at that chart on the Patreon about like the night of the boat accident. So please join us on the Patreon. Yeah, this is a this is a dark chart, but Paul never went to trial because he and his mother were murdered. So here we go. On the evening of June 7th, 2021, Alex called police. Alex called the police to report that he had discovered the bodies of his wife and son shot dead at the family's hunting lodge. Alex said he found them after returning from seeing his mom. So what was going on the night Paul and Maggie died? This was on June 7th, 2021, and it's said to have taken place between 9 and 9.30 p.m. in Walterboro, South Carolina. And something that's separate from this that I found is interesting, or that is interesting, is that Paul's progressed Neptune was stationing retrograde. And Neptune is a planet of, like, obliteration. It's confusion. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's a, a time when you might die. I mean, most people won't. So if you find out that yours is... Is that an often, how often is that transit? Or how often does 
Neptune go retrograde? Is that like a... Well, Neptune oh, spends like, like not... almost half a year retrograde all the time. So having Neptune oh, retrograde okay. in the natal chart isn't uncommon. But having any time a planet stations retrograde or direct in your progress chart, that'll be a time when like things are changing with regards to that planet. Wow. So mm. it's interesting. Also, so this chart has a Gemini sun and a Taurus moon and a Sagittarius rising until 921 p.m. So from 921 through 930, it would have had a Capricorn rising. So we really look at the Sagittarius rising here. So sun in the Gemini in the seventh house of death. So in ancient astrology, the seventh house was one that could be one of the houses of death because it's a house of opponents. And so it's ruled by Mercury retrograde in Gemini. Paul also has this placement. And so something from the ba- from the past is like coming back to rear its ugly head and also will come back in the future since whenever planet is retrograde, it's going over a degree that it's already gone over and it will come back to that degree later. The North Node is also in Gemini. And so when the Sun and, and North or South Node are in the same sign or within 17 degrees of each other, you're in eclipse season. And so this is eclipse season. And so that means that there are extreme circumstances and events that will change people's lives. And this especially is important for Alec, aka Alex, because he has so many Gemini placements. So this is just like oh, damn. chaos, especially since this chart is pretty mutable. The moon is in Taurus in this chart, so it's exalted. The moon loves to be in Taurus. It has everything it needs and more. But it's ruled by Venus in Cancer, which is co-present with Mars and Fall in Cancer. And so the moon's in the sixth house of this chart. So that's something about subjugation, something like you feel like you must do or sacrifices are made in some way. And the moon's ruled by Venus again in the eighth house, which is the house of death, killing or losing control. It's a house of like murder often and also things inherited. So it's sort of, I guess, inheriting death from your dad. That's a little extreme. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. It's also intimate, like it's an intimate death, right? That's sort of why the eighth house has to do with murder. And the moon is with Uranus. So this is like expect the unexpected whenever the moon's with Uranus. And the moon is in the 12th house from the sun. So there's hidden enemies, something creeping up behind you. And this chart is a Sagittarius rising. It's ruled by Jupiter in Pisces in the fourth house of family, which is co-present with Neptune. And Neptune is squaring that Sagittarius ascendant. So this is making things confusing. It's like actions that are confusing, but also like things that are happening to you that are confusing. It's like sort of like, I don't want to say a wormhole, but it's like an obliteration of the norm. We also have Mars and fall and Cancer opposite Pluto and Capricorn. Pluto is also retrograde, but Pluto again is sort of like Neptune's retrograde for like five months out of the year but they're both retrograde so mars and fall and cancer this is like a this is a, a desperation in the eighth house it can be someone pleading or bargaining for their life and the eighth house is you know also about wills and inheritance so i don't know if insurance was any part of this oh my god yeah oh my god weird we'll we'll get to that but yeah or it was the two things that i think are interesting here are obviously venus and mars together in the eighth house because i feel like both of these are like war like we always think of venus as just being like cute but like venus is like war for like a reason that you're dedicated to like or in fair and love and war it's in fall because so mars is heat and cancer is the sign of summer so it's like the you know it's like when weather's really hot so mars gets too hot so it not only can it sometimes like be afraid of conflict when it chooses conflict or conflict even chooses Mars in Cancer, I would say it like it's extreme. It's sort of like it's I mean, I have Mars in Cancer and every once in a while I have like a rage blackout. I mean, I don't even come close to killing people. I'm too I'm too much of a Leo rising. I love I love everything that's alive. 
but yeah, I mean, also Pluto's in Capricorn here. So this is about power and like hierarchical structure. So it's sort of like in the second house, it could be regarding money and property. Yeah. And then Chiron's conjunct the IC of this chart. So the IC is a point of endings and death. And Chiron is like the primordial wound in Aries. Yeah. Well, I, th- I was looking at that too. It's so literal because in the fifth house of children, yeah. it's literally yes. like wounding your child. Oh my God, yeah. Oh which is like, I said acting. Yeah. But yeah, that's, so, so, yeah, it's like literally, yeah, I guess... The murdering your child. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. And then murder, Mercury retro, murdery, Mercury retrograde in Gemini conjunct the descendant. This is like mistakes made where there can be like premature endings or like, you know, sort of like opponents going too far. It's also three days before a solar eclipse in Gemini conjunct Mercury retrograde. So that eclipse had, I mean, this eclipse, it's conjunct its ruler Mercury, which is also retrograde. So it's insanity, it's chaos. Jupiter's conjunct the midheaven of this chart. So that's about greed, rose-colored glasses, driving action. So I guess, I mean, like uh, in a really sick and twisted, weird way, like the idea that murdering your family won't come back to bite you is sort of having rose-colored glasses. It's also actions being made maybe while under the influence. Pisces can be under the influence, but it's with Neptune too, which makes things like actions are sort of like you don't really maybe believe that the outcomes will occur. And then the eclipse is squaring Neptune. So that just sort of underscores like this confusion this sort of like either intoxication which could be natural right it could be like hysterical but it could also be i guess literal i think it's literal there's like so many creepy things i think like uranus close to the moon if you're like thinking like a sudden thing that happens to your body like a sudden explosion like they all got shot so yeah wow okay that's also and it's in the the sixth house, which is like your general everyday activities or whatever, like they were like just like chilling at their hunting lodge, like a place they were, you know, that's like a normal part of their routine that they go to. Oh. So, yeah, this chart is dark as hell. Like you could look at this maybe and be like, oh, perhaps it was a nice night. But then when you like color it and <laughs> like the vibes are, vibes get weirder when you start to realize like what's going on. Yeah. So after the deaths of Maggie and Paul, things really start to fall apart. Obviously, Alec denied involvement in their killings, but he had some other problems going on, too, at this time. It came out that he had, like, a raging drug problem with pills, and he, which I feel like is very, like, Neptune mature touching on. Yeah, under the influence. Yeah. And he was also accused of embezzling millions of dollars from his family law firm at the time, so not good. Jesus not Christ. good. <laughs> but then, in a weird plot twist, Alec himself was shot in the head on the side of the road while he was, quote-unquote, changing a flat tire. He was then taken to a hospital, but his story definitely started to sound very sketchy. And then it was finally determined that he was not alone, but with his distant cousin, and asked the cousin to shoot him in the head. And so in the <laughs> end, he was indicted with two counts of murder and two weapons charges to which she pleaded not guilty. Also, how do you get shot in the head and you don't die? That's crazy. It happens. It definitely happens. Did he want to die? Yeah. Yes, I believe so. Because karma, man. Whoa. Because basically people, there's like a theory that he did all of this because he wanted to like postpone all of the the trials he had coming up because it was found out that he took all these millions of dollars from the court case. So I feel like it's very drug and ener- brain energy to be like the solution to my problems will be killing everyone. Yeah. And not himself first too, you know, like, I mean, 
Yeah. He didn't even have the balls. I mean, not the, you know what I mean? Because he wanted to figure out the money. I don't know. So, like, all things true crime, there was a Netflix show made about this family. It's probably, like, how most of us knew about this. It was called The Murdaugh Murders, A Southern Scandal. And the series covers the family and the events surrounding the trial of Alec. And it starts with the death of Mallory. So it really shined a light on this Southern family. So, Dana, what was going on when the show was released? So this was February 22nd, 2023, and the sun is in Pisces and the moon was in Aries after 12, 13 a.m. Eastern. So the sun in Pisces has to do with endings, healing, largesse, right, intoxication, delusions, storytelling. The moon in Aries is quick, energetic, lacking patience. It's assertive. The moon's also then transiting his, you know, Paul's son and Jupiter and Alex Saturn, you know, so punishment. We're talking about how like the weird shit you've done in the North Node, so something that will affect him in the long run. And then if, you know, like I believe that that he has a Pisces moon. So then Neptune's on his moon and the sun's also in the same signs as moon. So maybe, I mean, beyond the grave, maybe since it's Paul's sun sign, justice or vengeance or his Jupiter sign, I don't know. And it's ruled by Mars in Gemini, so it's also his Mars return. And Mars in Gemini ruling the moon in Aries is very much like, you know, hot takes, gossip, like getting some information out there quick, quick, even though this was a produced documentary, which I assume wasn't necessarily quick. But it was quick in time before the trial, right, or whatever the verdict. Um, It's also conjunct Venus in detriment in Aries and Jupiter and Chiron. So this is sort of like these like how could someone do this to their family it's about unsavory themes and interactions it's also like big ideas and big claims that bring on like disgust pain and sorrow and then some assertions which maybe could begin healing although i don't really know how anyone heals from this or i don't even know who's alive left to heal i guess beyond the grave some sort of justice that way and mercury is an aquarius squaring uranus and taurus so this is like tension surprise neuroses interruptions and just sort of like having conspiracy brains so i maybe reddit went off and then mercury inquiries is also trying mars and gemini so it's like asserting opinions theories new ideas and having some mental agility it's also two days after a new moon in pisces and that new moon was at one degree uh and it was for the walter borough chart it was in the fourth house so it's discussing family secrets and stuff like that which i thought was interesting The netflix show brought even more attention to alex's murder trial which was happening around the same time that the show was released so it was a really it's almost like true crime is happening in real time now like I feel like we've almost like hit this hit this like juncture in media consumption where the second that it looks like it's going to be any kind of media sensation a documentary has started we've learned you know throughout doing this podcast the trials take fucking forever <laughs> to yeah. to actually happen. So it's like very easy for a true crime documentary to catch up to like where the legal process is. So anyway, I think a lot of people around the world tuned in to watch. Yes. And this definitely started as a murder trial, but it eventually became so much more because as time went on, Alec began to get investigated for other things. And the cops had found he had like a ton of stuff going on. From fraud to embezzlement to tax evasion. And in the end, he faced a total of 102 grand jury criminal charges and 19 indictments that were related to like financial fraud and drugs. Yeah, that's like a shit ton of old. I mean, and you were like, oh, the cops found, but like the cops all knew about this. So when he was finally like acquitted, accused, like he murdered someone, they're like, oh, finally, we can tell all the shit we know about this guy. 
<laughs> but but during the trial, prosecutors argued that Alec killed his wife and son to distract from and delay the investigations into his alleged financial crimes, which is horrible. It also didn't help his case that the jury was shown a video that Paul had taken on his iPhone um, where Alec's voice could be heard in the background just minutes before the killings happened. And this was very damning because it indicated that Alec had lied about his whereabouts when his wife and sh- son were shot. As he said he was visiting his mom, but I believe Paul like had a Snapchat, a Snapchat video that he had sent to someone, I think, and they were able to hear his dad in the background. Wild. And so after the jury deliberated, Alec was convicted of both murders and sentenced to two consecutive life sentences in prison without the possibility of parole. So what was going on when the verdict happened? This was March 2nd, 2023 in Walter Boro, South Carolina. The sun was in Pisces, the moon is in Cancer. So the sun is still in Pisces like it was from the you know release date of the documentary. It's co-present with Neptune. It's shining a light on things done under the influence and like also sort of like the unthinkable. It's like bewildering. And the moon's in Cancer, so the moon is rules. The moon rules cancer so it's self-ruling and it also speaks to some sort of maternal instincts i feel like i mean what he did is motherless you know and the moon is trining the sun so they're it's the moon and sun in water signs it's emotional it's you know affecting people's emotions there's crying happening and mercury is conjunct saturn at aquarius or saturn in aquarius at 29 degrees so this is about justice focusing like you know like sort of like we're getting to the we really need to focus on something and we need to get something done. There's a trial by jury, a jury of your peers. That's all Aquarius. There's disgust. Mer- Saturn is like, you know, it's hard work and stuff, but it's also like decay. So it's like being forced to like look and talk about like really upsetting things. And like everyone's talking about this. And Saturn in Aquarius is also sort of like it's at 29 degrees. So Saturn entered Pisces like four days later. So it's just sort of like I feel like it's Saturn in Aquarius submitting like one last bid for justice. And Jupiter is conjunct Venus and Chiron and Aries, and it's ruled by Mars and Gemini. So maybe there's some healing going on, right? Like, we can begin the healing. And also, like, there's a lot of gossip and, like, fodder around this, conversations around this trial. And Venus conjunct Jupiter can be, like, justice being served, but Venus is in detriment, so it's not without, like, a bad taste in your mouth or, like, maybe, like, justice being served after something tragic happens. And then the moon is square Chiron and sextile Uranus opposite Pluto, the moon's also square Venus, Jupiter. So it's like feeling triggered, feeling surprised. It's a twist of fate. It's, you know, maybe getting what you want, but not in time. And like also has to do with hierarchies. Like the moon opposite Pluto, it's like he's so powerful, right? But there are other people more powerful than him, including the court of law. The court of law finally caught up with him. That also feel like Mars and Gemini, like everybody was talking yeah. about this. Lips of flapping. Yeah. Yep. So since the conviction, besides being locked up forever, Alec has also been disbarred and he's had his assets seized. So he's going through the court system again and again. And though Alec is in prison and Maggie and Paul have passed, there is one member of the family that is alive and free to row about the country, and that is Buster, the oldest redheaded child. And though Buster does have some shady things associated with him, such as a potential death, um, allegedly, he's living a quiet life in Hilton Head, South Carolina. He has a girlfriend 
And he recently filed a police report against the media because he said they were following him. <laughs> so it's who knows what's going on, but who knows if he has a job? He probably just so, funding it. What's so interesting about I know we didn't I get into Buster as much, but what's interesting about Buster is that remember he's the firstborn son. And so like in when with a lot of families, the firstborn is like the golden child, can do no wrong. You know, Alec paid someone like 60 grand to get him into like University of South Carolina, um, only for him to be ex- Buster to be expelled over a plagiarism incident. But basically, he wanted to try to become a lawyer. He wanted to follow in his father's footsteps. And a lot of people say the sort of like how he might have rash, how Alec might have rationalized murdering his youngest son and wife in his, you know, drugged up head was that he was doing this for. Buster so that he could fake his death and Buster can get all the insurance money and not not have to deal with the embezzlement, which is crazy. But it's funny because, Dana, you mentioned insurance before. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense because, you know, insurance was weirdly involved in this like scheme. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, who knows what's going on with Buster? Yeah, hopefully he does not carry on the Murdaugh name. I feel like this family needs to end end right here. But in the meantime, remember to sign up for our Patreon for just $5 a month. You can get that extra chart about the boating accident that changed everything for the Beach family and the Murdaugh family. So you won't want to miss that. And with that, I'm Elise. I'm Dana. And I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology. See you in the lowlands. <laughs> <laughs>